This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Welcome to the Housewives Archives, a podcast where we discuss in great depth all things Real Housewives. We're Ellie Nunn and James Evans, and what's that? It's Amber's hair. Oh, sorry, my mistake. It's special guest Macy Nyman. <laughs> that was really funny. <laughs> Thank you. That's very creative. I like that one. I really liked it. <laughs> I have to say, Mace, I think that you have been mentioned on this podcast on this podcast, on this podcast, more than any singular housewife in any city. I know, it's mad. To love a podcast the way I do love this one and then to hear yourself referenced on it so often is quite a weird sort of... It must be euphoric. It is. It's like, it's unbelievable to be part of... Of history. The thing I love. You are kind of like the Dina of the podcast. (laughs) Like, we mention your name and then a cold chill runs down Ellie's spine and she's like, I'm not going there. I'm not talking about Dina. I'm not talking about Macy. (laughs) Only because I'm so scared that she's going to take my job. This because is Because she's become far, I mean, far more qualified than me. Exactly. This feels very like your housewife audition. I have to say I'm quite worried because I feel like when I was asked to come on the podcast again was when I was watching season six. And now that was about four months ago. Mm. Okay, that's so quite I'm like, cutting. I'm I don't really appreciate it. <laughs> coming on with the cutting energy i feel like it's appropriate i'm getting a lot of flack for how long it's taken me to watch this series from all angles really i have a lot going on in my personal life aren't you impressed i watched all of season six in a week guys it's quite short it's short sweet easy all right (laughs) i was so proud i had a chest infection and i was like perfect time for me to sit in bed yeah I don't know. I was averaging two, three seasons a week at one point. So it was quite intense. I like. <laughs> I was both impressed and worried. I'm depressed. What can I say? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> but no, I literally finished the last episode of the reunion five minutes before. That's why I was running five minutes late. I was like, and oh, scene. I see. I see. I see. So what did you think, guys? I'm really worried that something's wrong with me. Uh-huh. I really like Teresa and Joe. I don't know what's happened. Your silence speaks volumes, guys. No, 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 no. It's, um, no, I completely get that. I was kind of with you the whole way through. Mm. I only like Teresa when she's not engaged in a fight because I don't think it's hyperbole mm. to say that she's all, she's like a barometer for the wrong side of an argument all the time. So that's the only time I can Always. quite like her. And she was doing so well up until the 11th hour with the whole business with the twins' mum. And then Dina trying to ask her to apologise. I don't know if I felt that she was that on the wrong side of that. I don't, I'm not saying I thought she was on the right side, but I think, and don't worry, I'm fully prepared to dislike her again. Like, I know, I know it's not over between me and Teresa. I just think I was kind of with her that it felt like she had bigger problems she really does. That's that's and, true. And I found all of the footage this season of her with the kids, her with Joe, that scene with her and Melissa having a sort of sleepover, watching The Godfather, I just found it all quite touching and quite lovely. And I was kind of with her. I found her quite 
unreactive with the fights. She just seemed to be a bit like, no, I'm not really... I don't know. If anything, I thought she was quite boring this season, but I appreciated her vulnerability and I genuinely found her and Joe at that reunion quite heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. But don't you find the lack of accountability... I think I just can't go there because the main problem I have is her obsession with people talking about her Mm. that comes up a lot in this season and comes up a lot in the reunion. She's constantly saying, family don't talk about family, people don't talk about that. And it's just like, Teresa, if my cousin got, you know, indicted for fraud, I would talk about it and you have an unrealistic expectation that they won't. Yeah, it's it's an unrealistic expectation for sure. And a double standard, because I don't believe if this happened with one of the other women that Teresa wouldn't talk about it. And I don't believe, I'm sorry to say, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into this, but I just don't believe for a second that she doesn't understand what happened. Only because we've seen Teresa lie so often throughout the whole time. And, um, you know, we see her continue to lie and we know that she can lie well. I just don't buy it. I kind of bought that she didn't understand her plea deal that she didn't understand she was going to I kind of buy it. It's really sad. Her f- when she's like, ah, ah, I didn't understand it. I mean, that maybe I do buy. <laughs> it's like, I kind of buy that she was like, uh-huh. <laughs> I kind of buy this idea that Teresa doesn't even realise that the twins are twins. Part of me thinks that she genuinely thinks it's just one housewife. <laughs> and then at the reunion, she's like, ah, ah. All right. <laughs> See why people were saying Teresa. I thought they were saying Teresa. I... That's my favorite trope throughout the season is that she's forced to change her name basically to Teresa. And then everyone else spends the whole season going to re- Teresa. <laughs> I honestly was thinking when I was rewatching the reunion today, I was, I honestly didn't even remember the twins' names. I think they are the only housewives in all of the housewives that I've watched that I couldn't tell you a thing about them, what their names were. I find them very boring. They're unbelievably boring. You find them boring? Oh, interesting. Oh, do you not? Do you well, not? Well, I, in my notes, I was building this idea, following on from our conversation last week and just throughout the whole show, really, this idea of reality versus show. This season I found really interesting because there were two different shows running in tandem. There's like the old guard, Dean and Teresa and Melissa, who are just so distracted with Teresa's very like real world problems. And they're like Mm. very much sat in their reality. There's someone like Dina who is just very authentically herself, which is quite boring and doesn't like conflicts and would act the same way off camera as she does on camera. Compare that reality to the sh- the twins and Amber just shamelessly being bombastic and putting on a show. But that's it, and they're just so dialed up to eleven. And maybe you're, maybe it's that that paradox that's a bit jarring because, yeah, it does feel like a whole season of Teresa and Dina and Melissa kind of going ah, 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 or whatever to everything, yeah. or just being like very <laughs> muted, yeah, and quite apathetic. And then Amber and the twins doing like the most like hair pulling, flailing arms yeah. over a tele. But also, c- come on, we've got to get like the fourth housewife there, Jim, who's got to be the most involved oh husband of any of the housewives on New Jersey any season. Yeah, they definitely, Jim and Amber oh, fill yeah. that trope, the kind of Alex and Simon, the Alexis exactly. and Jim, you know, like the husband and wife tag team and the husband's like very heavily invested in the show. I think it's a very yeah. appropriate first meeting when we first see Jim on camera when he just like kicks down the door basically and comes in with like a dead pig and he's laughing manically and all the yeah. kids are like, <laughs> <laughs> just a complete the horror show. The kids like show. crying yeah, immediately, we just, exactly. starting how we intend to go on really exactly he's like a rat honestly (laughs) yeah 
It's unreal. I will say, this is going to be an episode of a lot of hot takes because I feel like season six in general is regarded as a complete dumpster fire. I find it really refreshing and light and breezy and I mm-hmm. find it a really nice change of pace and I can appreciate the the yeah. ridiculousness for what it is. And I think Jim, I have to you have to put it to him after seasons of just like all the men just brawling, it's quite interesting to just have a man come in and just fight with his words and be a really wordsmith. Cutting. Quite yeah. the wordsmith. He filled that villain role nicely where it did finally jolt us out of the endless broken record of Teresa and Joe and Melissa and I thought that the season did move quite nicely, even if it was a little camp at OTT, into a new space. And it's quite like a palate cleanser for new seasons after that. I totally agree. It's weird because I have some other friends that watch Housewives. Sorry, guys. What? Um, (laughs) Another WhatsApp group. Um, Some of them definitely listen, so shout Ah. out if you are. But um, I was actually told to skip this season by one of them, won't name any names. Criminal. And I said I'm a completionist. I just would not be able to do that. But I was told it's really boring. You can just skip it. And I... I mean, I had enough time on my hands uh, to not <laughs> skip it. <laughs> so I didn't. But I'm so, I mean, I don't think I would be able to. I feel like it's very, it's a really important season. Number one for Teresa and Joe's timeline. Completely. But yeah, as you say, number two to kind of clear the air and kind of slowly take us from A to B and get us ready for the new Housewives of New Jersey that's coming. Yeah, it's definitely patchy and inconsistent. And obviously the twins and Amber aren't the answer to the show's problems, but they're amusing for what they are. They're a necessary distraction from the Gorgo drama. It has a similar vibe to Carlton and Joyce coming in for that Beverly Hills season, where it's like we got out of a super dark place and into a kind of fun, witchy, stupid, over the top. Right. Did you put a spell on my baby? Yeah. And then it was like, now we can get back to whatever the new Housewives is going to be. And if it weren't for the Teresa drama, you could completely wreck on it and just pretend that this whole season never happened. Yeah. I could have watched Amber and Jim for another season. To be honest, I'm surprised they got fired. I'm kind of, I think this is what I keep coming back to. And maybe I don't explain myself very well. This whole idea of reality versus show. And obviously the ideal is someone who's pretty much down the middle, someone who's authentic, but telegenic at the same time. But I would so much rather watch someone like Amber and Jim just hamming it up for the cameras, shamelessly putting on a show, even Mm -hmm. though it's fake, than someone like Dina, who's just authentically boring. And I have to say, because Ellie and I, we watched an episode the other night together and we had a slight, not, not a serious disagreement, but a slight disagreement about the authenticity of Amber. Mm. And Ellie feels like she really plays up to the camera and she said that she thought which I kind of understand she's incredibly bad at the acting side of it and you can kind of see that she's acting but for me I kind of feel like she's the kind of person that is acting throughout her life like that like I believe that she would behave in that manner cameras or no cameras because she's one of those people that Mm. obviously thinks she's kind of like bold and eccentric Mm. and kind of kooky and you know soul of the party or whatever but I think Ellie was saying quite correctly, she's sort of like a teenager that's behaving really weirdly at a party and she hasn't grown out of that. Yeah. But you see people like that in life and I, I kind of buy it. I guess. I mean, some of these people, maybe it's like Alexis or No See. Maybe Alexis is like that in life and that's the point. She was being authentic on the show. She's just never fully authentic. And I agree with you. So last week, Mace, we were talking about how in the book, the Diamonds and Rosé book, 
they often reveal that just after a housewife seemed to make quite a big TV moment, they seem to get sacked for, for it being a bit much or they kind of, that was their last ditch attempt to stay on the show or whatever. And we were debating, is it quite weird to get rid of those people if they've just made great TV? Yeah, But at exactly. the same time, I was saying someone like Aviva, I did agree that I didn't think there was anywhere else it could go. I think it is really important for each of these series, someone to step up and take up the kind of villain reins. Right. And I felt like Jim afforded Teresa a break this season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically. And you feel that frustration. I mean, I don't think Jim's frustrated. I think he's perfectly happy to play that role. But I appreciate how someone like Aviva or Danielle would be annoyed that it's like, I'm the one bending over backwards, slaving away, putting on a, a, a mm. great show here. And then someone like Dina can just sit back and not really contribute, but be the really likable voice of reason that the audience likes much more. It's so weird. But I don't like Dina. I have to say, I really loved Dina when she left originally and I was sad to see her go. But this season, Dina and her kind of blind support of Teresa really does bother me. Like, I find it really annoying. It's so funny. I have the opposite. I found Dina so boring in the first season. In this one, I'm like, I get more her sort of quite sunny, most popular girl in school vibe. I didn't get it in the first season particularly. I didn't like Dina her first iteration. I don't like her this iteration. (laughs) I think Caroline leaving the show obviously gave Dina an opportunity to come back onto the show. And I assumed that Jacqueline, part of me thinks that Jacqueline was sort of let go by the producers as collateral damage to give Dina like a clear pathway back onto the show. But what's annoying is that Dina refuses point blank to discuss Caroline. I know. What do we think happened? What I don't do know because happened? we can't even... I like, want there's, some theories. There's, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. There's no breadcrumbs or anything. Well, the breadcrumb is that Dina's like, I didn't even know it was that bad. And Andy Cohen's like, you didn't speak for years. And she's like, yeah, but I didn't know we weren't inviting each other to like weddings and stuff. It's really odd. I find it very interesting when Dina at the reunion says, I was hoping that we could not talk about it and they could just come to Lexi's graduation and then we'd just be back to normal. It's a really odd way. It's like, that's not how life works. Right. This whole thing. And it's very similar to Teresa, which I find interesting. Teresa's whole thing with Joe and Melissa of constantly being like, I don't understand why can't we just move on? And it's like, because you did something wrong. Mm -hmm. And they're like, but why do you have to keep harping on about it? And it's like, because that's how accountability works. And I feel like Dina's doing something similar where she's like, I don't understand why we have to talk about it or work through it. She seems to hate Jacqueline as well. Yeah. I know, which I find really weird. That I find more intriguing. Yeah. Well, I sort of think, I start to think with Jacqueline that there's a slight Lisa Vanderpump situation of she is sort of an audience favourite and everyone really likes her. But then there's no smoke without fire and enough people make comments about Jacqueline being kind of like manipulative behind the scenes. I find that um, so hard to imagine. Me too. I'm like, don't want to know. I don't want to (laughs) hear. I'm really looking forward to how that translates as a sound, rather. Like, without the visual picture of what Mace just did. Um, It's like a mouse having like a small heart attack. But then don't we get all the stuff later on about... I don't know if you spoke about this already on the podcast, when Dina's house got broken into. Yeah. So Ellie, you don't know this. No. Oh, Macy, fill us in. This is very dark. Yeah, this is Okay, let me try and remember properly. So a few years later, Dina's ex is in the husband that she's still sleeping with now, correct? Am I correct? The Manzo husband. Yes. Yes. Broke into 
either he broke into the house or he paid someone to break into the he, house. And kind so of t- he didn't, it wasn't him. I think he offered some mobster type a free wedding at the Brownstone if he'd go over <laughs> to Dina's house. And then, yeah, you're not going to be laughing in a second. And basically like oh, no. be Dina and her new boyfriend to a pulp, no. basically, and tie them up. It was like, horrific. Right. And Caroline supported that. Like, basically, Caroline tweeted something kind of saying in support of the Manzo brother, which is just absolutely mad. She wrote a character reference at the trial in defense of the Manzo brother, which I think is now... That was A lot of people have sort of seen that as a really damning thing that Mm. Caroline has done, especially because she's sort of this authority on family. Quite odd. Wow, I just had a real 10 siblings moment there. (laughs) 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 10 siblings. 10 siblings. Sadly, lost her mum. Oof. 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 Um, (laughs) Wow, that's... Very intense. It's very dark. So it's like, it's it's just so, there's only so many fragments that we can collect together. And it's just annoying because I want to say, Dina, this is complete, you're a wasted opportunity from the get-go. We don't care about how Project Ladybird's going. Like we that. really don't. I know. What is Project Ladybird? You've come back onto the show for one reason and one reason only. We don't care if Lexi gets into college. And it's just annoying to we see her sort don't. of double down on her personality, which is basically this like Adina Monsoon-esque Buddhism and collecting these pets and sticking her thumb through not. holes in her sleeves. She fucking loves sticking her thumb through holes in her sleeves. That's like a big one for her. Hey, I love sticking <laughs> holes through my sleeve as well, to be fair. Love anything with a thumb hole in it. It's also, the Caroline thing is one thing, but then it's annoying as well because her other big storyline is that she's divorcing this Manzo brother and he's never seen. So it becomes this weird like Jane Eyre-esque situation Mm. where he like lives in the house, but we never see him and he Mm -hmm. like comes out at night and like sets fire to her walk-in wardrobe. It's sort of like me and Andy, isn't it? Like (laughs) Exactly, the very same, I was going to say. Yeah, like where's Danielle? Like why? It's so, I just miss her so much and as good a job as like oh, she's coming back no I know I know but like as good a job as Jim and Amber doing stuff I do agree that it's like I don't give a shit about the ladybird convent no offense kids obviously right. if I was if I was at the charity event I might care but like they're really trying to make that a sort of central focus and on top of making it like a central point it being like I will burn these friendships to the ground if anyone starts anything at this children's convention. It was like, oh, I'm so glad this is where the final episode is happening. It's like, it's the season finale party. Like, of Jesus. course people are going to fuck shit up. Part of me wants stupid. to send Danielle over there. Yeah, it's so stupid. It just calls to mind Catherine. You remember Catherine on Beverly Hills? Who was like yeah. clearly cast because of her OJ Simpson connection. She was only cast yes. to like get into it with Faye Resnick. Oh my God. And she didn't God. really do it. And it was like, you've completely dropped the ball on this one. Is she the army one? The army one? No, that was... Who's who's the army one? Wasn't there one in the army? No. Oh, on <laughs> Are you confusing Wales? it with Love is Blind, Maze? No, 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 no. She's lost it. I'll have to do right. some research on that. Oh, I guess you won't be taking over as podcaster. <laughs> mm, that's a strike. Mm, <laughs> that's a strike a against the name. Interesting. <laughs> I was prepped for this. <laughs> Um, I also, nothing annoys me talking more than about, uh, I find more irritating than a legitimately attractive person pretending that they're not hot. And I get Dina's going through a divorce and she's not ready to like get out there and move on. But for fu- just fuck that hot fireman. Stop pretending like you're some old oh cat lady. God. It's annoying. Also, she's in like scrubs. It's not like she turned up in a 
from, like goblin outfit. Yeah, Scrubs are fucking hot. I don't think that fireman's hot. He's got a lot of Oh, I love him. Like, I'm he's sorry, such like a I big, just disagree. No. Oh, I wouldn't kick him out of no, bed. Don't like fuck I can yeah. I would. I see someone like I him will. in my future. <laughs> I love those Jersey guys and I hate myself for it, but they're all pigs, but they're kind of hot as well. And like, they kind of, they have a charm to them. Oh, I love I'm it. I'm all over it. No, I yeah. am all <laughs> over it. So Mace, how did you feel about season six? I feel so much sadness. The first time I watched it and the second time I watched it, like my heart just like longs for the Manzos. You know, any transitional period in ha- in any kind of housewives where there's a big shift. You're not good with change. I have real, are you? Like you, I'm you not really struggle. I get a lot of messages from Mace whenever she moves from one era in like a housewife city to another one. The number of messages you sent me about Dorinda just being like, I just miss, like as if it was someone we knew. I really it re- do. Like you feel it very deeply, don't this you? This must have been a lot for you then. I find it very hard. This is like new housewives, new titles, Joe's shaved his hair, like it's all changed. <laughs> It's a complete reboot. And I do... The way that they keep the Wakilis on in this quite tragic it's, way. Let's, where ca- let's kind talk of about them. Let's get into them. it. Let's, I know. Into let's talk about the Wakilis. <laughs> right. Poor, God love poor I Cassie. Just like if Kathy, Kathy just... couldn't have had a sadder fizzle out on this show than to <laughs> literally only crop up. And I'm this, I don't, I'm not shaming her for the work she's had done. I just find it really sad because she is so beautiful and... I feel, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like if she'd never come anywhere near the show, she would have just aged very gracefully as like Mrs. Wakili. And the film does this odd thing where it makes her look a little bit cross-eyed as well. And like, I, I just found... The nose, it's bad. I just found all of those like, it's not even B plot, it was like F plot (laughs) things of like her in her wooden house. With with Nick Jonas, not with, Nick Jonas. Exactly, with yeah, one of the Jonas brothers. Yeah, just to add to the brothers. surrealism of the whole thing, that a Jonas brother's building her house. <laughs> and, like, they barely mention it. it. Yeah, I was like, what are we doing You'd here? think if you were one of the Jonas brothers and you now build houses that you would go, do you know what? It's fine that I'm no longer an international pop star and it's totally no shame in me building right. a house for a living but I might just take a step back from the shooting day because I'm not sure I want the world to see that this is where I am right now have the ignominy of being seen building Kathy's house (laughs) is that all you think he'd at least be like can we hold off until the house is done so that you can actually see what I built and not the like cardboard cut out that would make people surely be like I don't want him building my house (laughs) it literally looks like a wind could blow it over it looks like you know in Hollywood when they build a facade and then at the back it's just like held up by like a prop with some stage weights the whole thing looks like that it looks like someone's showing me the set it looks like a housewives reunion set yeah 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 exactly yeah I think I find the part of any housewives where we tour their houses that are being built that are all kind of just generic carbon copies of the, you know, other houses that they all have. It's the most boring content we watch. I just don't care. I quite enjoyed that scene where Teresa and Gia went to look round the still massive house. (laughs) Right. To talk about like downsizing. and And I know it was obnoxious, but at least when Camille Grammer was like, I don't know how we're going to live in 3,000 feet in New York or whatever. It's like, at least it was like a two-bedroom apartment or whatever. This seems to still be like a huge mansion. Right. This is the same. And like when the guy walks in, it is a bit like, 
obviously the kitchen is not what you're used to and it's like a huge <laughs> island like, in the middle i'm just like right. I, yeah, right. I could dream the gorgas have honestly moved house i don't know how many times since i've been watching and if you hadn't told me that they moved i wouldn't be able to tell you that they had because they moved from the same house to the same also, house to the same house what's with this trash business because are the gorgas <laughs> also involved in fraud of some kind? I mean, they because must it be. Feels just... like That's the thing. They must be, because one season, Joe's, like, building Melissa a recording studio in their basement, and the next season, it's like, this is our giant garbage truck? I know, I totally agree. I just think... And, and, and later on, I mean, we're talking four seasons down the line, there is some rumblings of Joe not paying bills, right. and we don't get a lot of time on it. But it does come up a couple of times. And you do just... I'm inclined to think that anyone that is that rich is frauding. (laughs) No, I totally agree. And I really don't know if people get that rich without that kind... But what I find interesting with Joe and Melissa, and it's the same with Joe and Teresa, is this sense of... It's this weird... Like, when their house... When Jan's going around the house and the... No, not Jan. Jenny. Jenny. Jenny, the the real estate agent... Where, like, the, the sink like, marbles come off and it's just, like, wood on the inside and everything's yeah. just falling apart. And it, to me, it's very similar vibes with this whole, like, now we're going into the trash business or whatever. Where I'm like, so you don't have actual money. It's like, in that kind of old money, like, there is a concrete base of money there. It seems to be very touch and go when you have money and when you're able to build a house and how much of the house is actually just, like, polyfiller. It's a scheme. Everything's a scheme with him, which is very unsettling. And I think not no judgment to anyone. As someone who's always grown up in the same house, I find it very stressful when people constantly move house all the time. So the fact that they do that, coupled with the fact that they're always changing jobs and new businesses, it just, I find it very stressful and it's completely foreign to me. At least whenever they move, I feel like all of their houses, no one seems to have any stuff apart from the Wikileaks. All they seem to have is giant vases. Yeah, it's just downsized. Like sofas. And And at least I'm like, I guess moving must be less stressful because like I honestly I don't see any stuff in their homes I just remember that waste disposal scene Melissa kind of really dolling up for it like putting her kind of work jacket on or sort of in heels and tottering around and wanting to really make a point about how she was involved in the waste disposal business as well and I just sort of wanted to go Melissa spare us the shit like as in but also but it's so weird it's always so strange sticking your head in their world where Joe Gorga's there being like my wife is running the waste disposal thing because I want when the guy talked to her for him to be like look at this beautiful look at those tits look at those fucking tits and that's how it's gonna work or whatever and he's like she needs to know how the waste disposal works so that she and her titties can walk into that meeting like it's so weird I just think she's been so she's so weary from years and years of fighting with Teresa I think she's actually just loving that like season three persona again of being like thank you Jesus and just like tottering around on a building site and like all the men like whooping and hollering at her but where did her music career go she wears many hats disappeared it like disappeared she never sings again I love the idea she wears many hats she's like from sparkly trilby to hard hat (laughs) so the reason that we are hanging out so much at kathy's building site is because it's like a very long-winded journey that we get to because basically kathy bless her even though this is like completely an f plot she's also really 
she's got the heavy burden of like propping up the whole show basically because of this whole Teresa and Joe potentially going to jail situation there's this mm-hmm. kind of uncertainty where you can feel it in production they're sort of panicking a bit where they've invested time and money into Teresa the star of the show one of the brightest stars on Bravo and there's kind of like a moral quandary almost where the producers morbidly maybe want Teresa to go to jail because narratively it would take things to a whole new level that we've never seen before. But also it would take Teresa out of the show and we don't know how long that would be for and whether the show will survive without her. So, and mm-hmm. it's kind of a first on the show that a housewife has left a show not because it's her wish or because it's the producer's wish, just because it's like the hand of God has just plucked her out of things. So suddenly the show becomes very rudderless and you feel that and you know they're desperate when they're like shit we need to we got rid of half of the cast we've replaced them with women who aren't working Dina who's not going to stick around Teresa's going to prison all that leaves is Melissa god help us so it necessitates the introduction midway of Jacqueline as a friend of and because Dina doesn't talk to Jacqueline Teresa doesn't speak to her Jacqueline's only inlet onto the show is another friend of Kathy and the whole point of a friend of is that we never see mm. them at home alone they always like turn up to parties or whatever but so then suddenly we have these weird scenes where it's like these two friends of just hanging out and they're total any of the scenes. Main cast. exactly and they're so clearly filmed after the fact because the rest of the season is filmed like deep winter there's like piles of snow it's like antarctic it was like a really good winter that they had clearly you could tell but then when kathy and jacqueline are hanging out at the building site it's like springtime (laughs) and they just don't know what to do they're just like tottering around and i know you feel like they're like why are we here yeah i know i definitely think the show's in a real scrape there and it's interesting because you at the end of that reunion they're really trying to big up this like Teresa might be leaving the show this is my last reunion and it is interesting because isn't the first episode of season season seven her coming out it's like they were like you know what we can't do it without her we've just got to wait until she's done they'd left a whole year they put everything on hold for her probably because they watched back those scenes with Jacqueline and Kathy and were like well we can't just do this for a year yeah the season is a really interesting failed experiment and they really put their chips on the twins and Amber and it obviously just didn't pay off like let's talk about the twins and Amber like I just can't talk about Kathy and Jacqueline anymore everything about the twins is so (laughs) zany and bizarre and they're so obviously clearly hamming it up for the camera where even like their at home scenes if it's just like a scene of them folding laundry everything becomes an antic where they're like Teresa what are you doing over there whoa I'm gonna drop the laundry oh no Teresa I I just want a show of like the two of them in little chef's hats one with like an N and one with a T where it's like them making pizzas and it's like exactly they remind me of the little cockroaches on A Bug's Life. They're just like a Nintendo game. Yes. They're just like... <laughs> and like we said at the beginning, they're so clearly frothing at the mouth to start shit from the get-go. But all of the old housewives are so distracted with Teresa that the only person they have to play with so is Amber. So they spend like the first few exactly. episodes just like pacing around, twitching, like rubbing their knuckles. They have so much excess energy that they're basically like Danny Provenzano in Wigs. Exactly. One of my favourite scenes is when they're so excited when Melissa says like, about you maybe wrecked a family or oh my God. something? And they're literally like, yes! 
like yeah. <laughs> finally ah! and the scene where they're like no I'm going now I'm no no and they get in the car <laughs> with the bit where they turn it's the most it's actually very Danielle that get to the house and they're just being like no we're not gonna do this no we're not gonna do this here tonight like it's there's so much good. build up yeah. <laughs> to them going and then they just chicken out and they're like Barbie's party we'll do it at Barbie's party yeah I think I had to rewind when I first watched that because I thought oh I missed the bit when they got yeah, there yeah, exactly. I was too busy with my Sudoku <laughs> <laughs> and then it just didn't happen. Yeah. yeah. There's so many beats. They leave the shop wearing the clothes from the shop that they haven't paid for. <laughs> so like the price tag is sticking out of their clothes so they can go and beat the shit out of Amber, basically. <laughs> you can see like the panic in Melissa's face where she's like, what do I do now? Because the call sheet was just meant to be Melissa tells the twins, Amber said shit about them. They're meant to have it out with Amber at like a bar somewhere. It's not meant to be right now. Exactly. So the producer's like, fuck. And it's meant to be a carefully orchestrated scene that this stunt has just thrown everything out of the window. And you just want to go, girls, pace yourself. And they just run, <laughs> they run out of petrol on the way there. So they have to stop and get petrol. And again, it's they're like, good. oh, Teresa, what are you doing? Come on, get your $10. It's enough. Just give it to her. Just throw it. Just drive. Come on. <laughs> and then like the goofy Alex McCord music is playing. It's like... And it's completely that thing of Danielle driving around threatening to stalk the Manzos. It's like all during... I wonder how many people are coming to the Brownstones. I'm just going to go and see... Should we go and have a look, girls? check briefly. I just... <laughs> I, think I know, should. the twins are just missing girls in the back being like, you're being nuts. And then of course, yeah, they don't go through with it because it's that thing of they're so overly enthusiastic but so green at the game where it's like they can't just go and beat the shit out of Amber because she's not mic'd up. Like, she might not even be there. Like, there aren't producers <laughs> there following her. Right. She's not meant yeah. to be filming tonight. <laughs> So, of course, they have to wait for this first responders party. This hilarious first responders party. Mace, what would you go to a first responders party as? Maybe I'm a bit of a Dina. You know, scrubs. I think she looked really... I thought she looked the hottest. I look at someone like Teresa in her little kind of tottering heels and nurse outfit. It wasn't a great look, Teresa's. Teresa cracked me up. The hat is like particularly, she looks like a bird of paradise or something with it sort of sticking out the front. Like it's it's really not, it's not well done. And it's very low on her forehead as well. It's because there's like a big reveal. So you don't see it first. You just see a shot of the limo outside and you just hear Teresa saying to Joe, Joe, do I look sexy? And he's like, yeah, boob. And then it just cuts to (laughs) Teresa looking absolutely insane. But what is Joe dressed as? Nothing. He's a party pooper, isn't this he? This is the thing, because I think this is the prerequisite for the first responders party, is that you're meant to dress as somebody who's absolutely not a first responder. So we get a lot of people in suits saying that they're lawyers. We get a lot of people in white coats saying that they're doctors, like they're not going to be first responders. Right. You'll see like Melissa, when she goes clothes shopping, she's like, can I be a sailor? <laughs> and then obviously Rosie being a sniper. Like, I'm a sniper. I'm stealthy. <laughs> I'll walk right up to you and break your neck. (laughs) It's perfect. Amazing. Yeah. The first responders party is so funny because it's like they got a load of extras. I imagine this is what they did do. And they had like two go-to outfits and they just put them all in it. So behind the main cast, there's just like seven people wearing the same fireman's braces with like a skirt and like a fireman's hat. They were just like, just put those on. Yeah. And then like a load of doctor's coats or whatever. And they were like, cool, done. Like everyone's kitted out. You wouldn't catch me dead in a pair of braces. I hate them so much. Excuse me. 
I'm sorry. I wear braces all the time. You do work a brace, but like I never could. And I never Are would. they positioned carefully over the nipple? Because that's the prerequisite for the party. <laughs> that's what I'd have done is gone right. in nothing but brace. I'd have gone like right. Kim Cattrall in that Sex in the City scene where she's like right. in the big fireman's trousers. That's a good one. And then all the firemen come yeah. down and she's like left naked in the right. brace scene. Great scene. Yeah. <laughs> I love that Melissa goes as uh, part of the SWAT team. A and SWAT. Clarissa goes, um, why are you SWAT team? You ain't wearing no hat or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a privilege to get to see these impressions in the flesh, I have to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's very She's exciting. backtracking now. <laughs> or were you just talking to James though? Yeah, it's no, exclusive from James. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. My bad. Yeah, come on, do some impressions, Ellie. Don't be shy. No, I've completely lost my nerve with impressions forever. I'll never do one again. Um I love that Amber's effectively dressed as Catwoman. When she takes yeah. her hat off, she's just in Yeah, she like, immediately spandex. takes the hat Responding off. Responding to what? In bondage yeah. gear. I'm gonna put myself out there and say about the first responders party. This is before I really started to hate Jim. And I don't disagree with him yeah, at this party. I agree. Is that bad? No, no, no. When he says, why would I hang out with you? I agree. And also he's he's actually very calm. So that whole bit where he's just like, yeah. it's Amber's hair. Like, this is my wife's hair that just got pulled out of my head. I remember being on his side. Mm-hmm. I didn't love when he then was saying about the IQ stuff, like the the later bit of the part. It's not great. He does get in his own way. But I agreed that like he was quite calm. He wasn't like him later in the season. He gets in his own way, but at the same time, what do they expect? I mean, I I don't think it's out of order for someone to not want to hang out with someone that's being indicted. I work with the mortgage company who's prosecuting your brother-in-law, you dumb fuck. (laughs) Well, it's that. It's, there's always line. like a button at the end, isn't there? That then yeah, dumb fuck. Because it's inter- It's very. Impre- it's genuinely impressive how Teresa's riled up, and then he manages to sort of use his rhetorical skills to convince her into thinking that she's misunderstood. And you really see that she's kind of like right. on his side. Then she's like, uh-huh, 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 got it. And then of course he then has to say like, God, is there anyone here who's got an IQ above eleven or whatever it is? <laughs> But I have to I say, love it. that whole speech he gives where he's like, I'm not going to fight you. I'm going to fight you with my words. I'm going to take you to court. I'm going to bleed <laughs> you dry financially. I'm going to leave your life in tatters. It's like Iago levels of villainy. It's amazing. It's so I was cold. expecting you to give us a reading of that. When I watched it it's again so today, good. I was like, I need to see James do that monologue. <laughs> he really has like an he's understated on. flair for the dramatic. He, do, he does also have the real vibe there of the boy in school who was bullied, who then orchestrated that the bully's puppy dies somehow, but never says it was him and is just there being like, mm-hmm. you were the day or whatever. Like it's yeah. got, he's got quite psychotic vibes. Like quite, quite, very quite we need to talk about Kevin vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very dark. And he's obsessed with his job, how much money he makes at the job in a very kind of thinks that that makes him cool way. But he's constantly talking about the money and the job he does and the ability he'll have to sue you with the job and all of this. And I sort of don't believe he has the power or the money that he says he has. I do think this is the exact moment, this fight, where Dina realises that she's not going to come back onto the show because she's trying to break up the fight, but she's just laughing the whole time where she's like, this is just so... 
<laughs> Stupid. Is this the hair pulling fight? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It is mad because it's very hard to see where it starts. Right, you can't work out who's pulling who. But also both Amber and Nicole, it's such an example of what happens when people have watched the show and exactly like you were saying, they're like frothing at the mouth for a fight and it's like they jump the gun slightly and rather than doing the build up to a fight, they just immediately start screaming at each other yeah. and then just immediately right. pull each other's hair and... They blow their load too early. And because the twins work in tandem and, and they messy. look the same, it's particularly blurry. It's very hard to tell what's going on. It's, it's like... like a cartoon whirlwind where there's just punches coming out occasionally yeah, yeah. and like stars. Can we just clarify, did the, the twins and Amber know each other before the show? Because one of the things I'm obsessed with is the fake friendship between Amber and Melissa that we get introduced right. to. Oh yeah, that there never becomes a storyline. Yeah. And I'm like, were they friends? And the Did co- Melissa like know about the cancer? The conversation <laughs> at the cancer, right. And I feel like Amber's really pushing this thing of, I miss her. And she's one of those people that's probably watched the first five seasons of Housewives and told everyone that she's best friends with Melissa Gorga. But I doubt that they spent any But also, more time I definitely like- think she thought her storyline was going to be this whole thing of, mm, Melissa definitely sent me a message saying, I hope you're feeling okay with the cancer, so why is she now pretending that she didn't know I had cancer? And then we never hear about that again after that one episode. It's like, Which she looked for and then it disappeared. And then it was like, but I accidentally <laughs> deleted the message. Yeah. But then I, I have to say, I also don't believe Melissa. The bit when she goes, hang on, you had cancer? I'm like, you knew. I don't buy it. I just feel like she doesn't know her. I honestly feel like they met once at a party, you know, and that's the photo that they've got. They were like office friends. They worked in accounting together for like six months and she was like, do you want to come to my wedding? She was an evening guest and they like had a bit of videotape of her there and they like really milked it for all it was worth. I love the fact that Amber enunciates everything. I don't know if you've noticed this. So when she's like, when she's accusing (laughs) Melissa about not knowing about the cancer, she's like, what, you didn't know about the cancer? (laughs) Oh, I love in the reunion when the women come at her for calling it the cancer and I'm like, Re- is this the battle we're going to pick? I think if you have cancer, you can call it whatever the fuck you want. This is the thing with the whole cancer <laughs> business. Obviously, however you process it afterwards is completely down to you. But there is just something kind of darkly funny about her bringing up the cancer seemingly every chance she gets sort of apropos of nothing and it completely sucks the energy out of the room. And I think funny. that's important to make. It's funny because not because the cancer is funny, but just how she's again has blown her load so quickly. So when they're all crying about Teresa going to jail and then she I know. <laughs> brings it up, she clearly oh thinks she's the hero at this moment and the the, the editors are going to play the sad piano music. And instead, what she gets is the dum Again, it's another Alex McCord moment. Yes. She does get the sad music later on, in fairness, when it's warranted, when she does the whole like photo shoot and when she gets her hair cut for the first time after her chemo. It doesn't make narrative sense to delve into it so quickly. And I kind of wish that she sort of just trusted the process a bit more. And it's like a similar thing. I'm obsessed with the theatrics of that bit where... I can't even know. It's not even like Teresa and Joe have been sentenced, but they've been indicted. There's no, some legal thing. No, it's that an article has come oh. out. It's that an article has come out right. saying that they've accepted their plea deal. Is this when, when Amber calls her crying? And Amber Immediately gets she's the getting, news, oh she's puts getting her phone the down, music. phones up Teresa of all people, and Teresa's like, hi. And then it's immediately Amber just going, oh my God, Teresa! Oh, oh, what's going on? And 
and then you just hear Teresa go, oh, hi, Amber. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> My favourite thing about it is the fact that Gia's there for that whole conversation just being like, why is she crying? Just pissing herself, yeah. Like the, the like 13-year-old daughter of the people who are actually going to prison and she's just like, why are you crying? I think Amber <laughs> makes the mistake of confusing dramatic with theatrical, which, hey, is not a bad thing in my book by any means. I love it. We've all been I, there. I absolutely see how it pushes like the average housewife viewer away rather than drawing them in. Mm-hmm. There's also something hilarious. Do you remember that scene where Victoria Gotti tells Teresa and Amber about the rumour about the twins' mum? And then later, Amber and Teresa are at Dina's house with the twins and Melissa. And then Amber's like, can we oh go and God, have a private yeah. word in a corner? And they're talking about how they should move forward with this information. And you think that they're in another room or something. And then the camera just pans out. <laughs> and they're in like a big open yeah, right. plan living space. They literally just stood in the corner with the twins like six feet away from them in earshot talking about how it's like something from the dick van dyke show and it's like the boss has come over for dinner and and he's bringing his wife like oh these things are going wrong so they run to the kitchen literally exactly it's like a stage play where it's like you don't have room in a stage play to go to like the other room because the set doesn't cover it so you have to have things happen where it's like two feet away from something but where you're pretending that it's like (laughs) what do i do so i don't hear and it's like you just pretend to play cards or something you'll be really absorbed in your card game Exactly. But also, it's another example of how Amber just gets the show really wrong, that she, like, calls Teresa over just to be like, I just want to say that, like, I don't think we should talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> because at seven, Teresa's like, ah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, no, I don't want to talk about that room or whatever. And she's just like, yeah. so we're agreed. We don't talk about the room or whatever. And it's the same right. then in her scene with Jim, where he's being like, Amber, don't talk about the room. And she's like, I'm not going to talk about, you don't talk about the rumor or whatever. (laughs) I find her so over the top when Jim starts being like, you don't want me to tell you that when she keeps going, Jim, like, "Mm," whatever. To me, it's very Lisa Vanderpump. Don't talk about the dog. Please don't talk about the dog. No, don't talk about the dog. That's true. I would be way more suspect about what someone was saying if the person next to them was being like, "Mm, mm, mm." (laughs) I'd be like, well, now you have to tell me. Are we there? Are we on to the rumour? Oh yeah, let's do it. Maze, talk us through the rumour. The rumour is just the most ridiculous plot in Housewives that I think I've ever watched. I mean, my lack of care about the hysterical rumour that uh, Vito slept. Vito? Reno. Reno. What's his name? Vito's Lauren's boyfriend. I always. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now there's a rumor I would like to have seen on the show. Vito slept with the twins' mum. And now they're very happy together and they live in Hawaii. (laughs) Is it mad to say I actually. I kind of believed the rumour because their mum's really hot. Yeah, I get it. She's gorgeous. I can totally believe the rumour. He's a cad. Exactly. I was like, sure. But I just think it's the funniest thing in the world. And even Teresa at the reunion is like, guys, laugh it off. It's hysterical. It is. Who cares? I honestly, if someone spread a rumour that my boyfriend slept with my mum, I would spread it harder because I just think it's so funny. I know. It would definitely come from Mace. You'd find out the source and she'd be like... (laughs) (laughs) I'd be like, good for my mum. Exactly. And good for Ed, like, as in, sorry, yeah. (laughs) It just gets very Jerry Springer. It's very Jerry Springer, and it's very, and it's also weird that they keep playing in the, like, previously on, the moment where she's like, it's who I slept with. 
and then their reaction but not saying what it was like they're trying to make it the unmentionable they build it up so yeah yeah. it's very it's very strange and you have this strange thing that no one will then talk about the rumor because Teresa and amber go off and do this very heightened whispering of agreeing not to talk about it and then even Teresa telling dina's a bit she's sort of telling her to be like just in case it comes up in Florida. I've heard this weird rumour. Ludicrous. Like, I don't I don't think Teresa comes across as, that? like, driving the plot forward, particularly. Do you think? Oh, I thought it was. Mm, I totally disagree. Yeah. If someone tells you not to say something, I would not ring but, you. No, you won't, say, Ellie, if this comes no, up. I think okay, you would. I would. But as in, like, <laughs> who am I kidding? <laughs> my God, if no, I don't I tell Mace, like, like no, no, someone no. I went on a date with, Mace is like, why didn't you tell me? I think you would find it really strange if I had heard that about someone... <laughs> And didn't tell you. No, but I would not ring you and say, Ellie, ju- I'm giving I'm giving you this information just in case it comes but up. But I don't so you know think they're saying that. Do you I not think like, it... Ellie, oh my God, I need to tell you but this I thing. I thought it's more that. I thought that Teresa was telling Dina because she was like, you won't believe how weird this rumour is. I don't know. But I that's think that's not what she says. I know, but I just think... I, I think of course we've... it is her saying that. Because we've why else seen would you Teresa say in like driving the plot forward mode and I just think she seems so honestly on the back foot the whole season just because there's other stuff going on. No, I think this is in keeping with her driving the plot forward because Teresa's brand of driving the I plot totally forward agree. is I'm I'm just saying like I heard it I'm just, just saying you know you I never suppose, know. I suppose I suppose yeah 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 it yeah. just fell into my lap I'm so just repeating it yeah do- yeah yeah that's true. And also there's such little drama this season yeah, that gotta- it's like they have built up the reveal of who that he slept with for so long and then they're going to take it and run with it which they do and we just don't care because we will never see these people exactly yeah. but also like thank god Teresa did do that imagine if they'd gone to florida and no one there knew exactly yeah no mm-hmm. i this is the, like mm-hmm. i don't begrudge her for like doing we it. don't want to see two episodes of them looking at gators i just think the way that dina approaches after the florida trip getting Teresa to deal with the fallout from it is evidence for me that it is not an exaggeration to say that Teresa does expect blind devotion and loyalty from her friends. Because before Dolores comes along the next season, Dina, I think, is the best friend that Teresa could ask for without tipping right. over into complete sycophancy. Totally. She's doggedly faithful. Totally. She calls Teresa out on her bullshit when necessary in a way that's compassionate but direct, and she doesn't push it too far. But it feels like, to me, it feels like quite a genuine friendship that I... Mace, if I, or, well, or James, if I asked either of you to apologise for something and you were like, no, I don't think I did anything wrong, I would probably leave it. I mean, I guess did you I would have it? to leave it. It's right. just so, think- and she really, she does a great job of the preamble where she's hitting all the beats she knows that Teresa wants to hear, where she's saying, look, I don't think it's your fault. No. Uh, I know you have a lot we of stuff to worry about. Oh, yeah, okay. Just to go back to Florida. Yeah. Yeah, thank God Amber and Jim come, because otherwise the trip is kind of halted by the fact that even when Dina tries to talk to um like lures Teresa over with you know the promise of seeing a big bug on a tree uh (laughs) I feel like even then Teresa's like is it about me and she's like yeah and she's like is it about my family and she's like yeah and she's like well then I don't want to hear it and then it's a bit like oh cool (laughs) that's the end of like we're a bit like (laughs) oh crap that's the end of Florida it's a very weird real moment exactly because you sort of think in housewives you're meant to to always be like yes tell me and instead she's just like I don't want to know and you're like oh okay (laughs) 
send Amber and Jim. It's the one time that the twins don't play the game of like, yes, and, and topping it. It's the one time yeah. where they say mm-hmm. no. It's weird. Which is the one time where there's actually a storyline progressing here. It's strange that they don't take the bait exactly and go like, oh, this is the show. So then Jim and Amber turn up and I love, it's very Aviva and Reed. Jim and Amber turn up and in the reunion when they're like, and by the way, thanks so much for saying congratulations on the cancer scare. (laughs) And it's very Aviva and Reed like, I thought that there would be a banner saying, rah, rah. (laughs) What is it? Well done, Aviva. You You did did it. it. Rah rah! <laughs> it's white trash, quite frankly. Their behaviour wasn't it? Just white trash. Like yeah, it was. It's just. Yeah. I love the idea of the people who turn up thinking that they should be congratulated for being there, and everyone's like, "I thought you were just joining us on holiday. I didn't realise this was the congratulations. You don't have cancer holiday, and no one wanted them to come in the first place. Exactly. Like they turn up, and it's the most like hi, like energy. Okay. Melissa's like Amber and Jim are here. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> So I actually watched this episode with Mace and I kind of missed what happened because it happened so fast. And we were ordering Rose's Thai. Yes, (laughs) we were ordering Thai food and suddenly Bobby was locked in the bathroom and I was like, what happened? I find this obsession on Housewives and it happens a lot with Dolores later on of like, when are you going to get married? When are you going to get engaged? When there's going to be a ring? Which runs through this whole season with these two. I'm actually a bit like, give him a break. You don't need to get yeah. engaged. You don't need to get married. It's fine. I think it's sure. bad for both parties. Just going off from our conversation before we started recording about like dating and dealing with straight boys. It's such a depressing narrative on these shows. We get it a lot with Vicky Gumvelson in her post-Brooks years, where it's like these women who are accomplished and I love them just honestly get to a point where any man who's breathing that they've known for five minutes they want to lock him down because they can't face the idea of being lonely for the rest of their lives yeah welcome right. brooks brooks where vicky's there being like he's the most charismatic amazing man i've ever met and every time he comes on screen you're just like this guy oh Ooh. yeah no I, I completely agree and also the crazy thing is that these men who they managed to lock down also you then have someone like brooks sitting there being like i'm dating other people um, like yeah you, like also treat them terribly right and they seem to be like please love me and it's like yeah. ew he's mm-hmm. like i mean vicky's a lot but yeah it is bad obviously bobby's not in quite the same category he's bobby's quite charismatic i think um, the idea though isn't it is that bobby wants to be a housewife and he's dated nicole to get on the can show. we discuss yeah. that yeah that seems to like be do right. we think that because i love the bit in the reunion when he tries to pretend that he just happens a bit yeah. three <laughs> times when there was three separate signings i'm like i love barnes and noble too bobby but come on like like Go in better than yeah. that. Just say I love the show and exactly. it was ironic, you know. It was ironic, like the way I went to Luan was ironic. Yeah. Sure. You know? But don't <laughs> say you just happened. <laughs> to I love the idea that you guys would be like, we literally just went to 54 Below to see, we're like, what's on tonight? We just that, stumbled I, in. I, oh, oh, I guess cool. Luan. I love like, the idea that I'm cast on the new Real Housewives of New York and they pull up it would be those so photos damning, wouldn't of me it? at the next reunion with Luan <laughs> saying you always wanted to be a housewife. Exactly. And you're like, I just got take. It's weird. My friend loves... Anyway. Yeah. Bobby... I don't know. Maybe maybe there is a bit of a vibe that he hasn't been great and it feels like he's suddenly being a better boyfriend because they're on the show. Which I buy. Right. But he goes and locks himself in the bathroom 
And this is where Amber gets, for me, very like a teenager at a party. She just gets very hysterical very quickly, suddenly then having a cigarette and telling everyone, like, this is the, fr- this is the first it. cigarette yeah. I've had since I had cancer. Since I had the cancer. And Jim's like, what are you doing having a cigarette? She's like, yes, I'm having a cigarette. Exactly. And <laughs> everything's it. just like, everything's just got like mascara all down her face. And she's just like, sat up, like <laughs> and stuff. And yeah. everyone's being like, Amber, I'm sorry. And I just feel like I've been that person. Well, actually, no, I don't think I've always that we've person. All the been person. But like, we've all, no, like, we all, we all have. have been the person who got like hysterical about something. Yeah, I slid down a tree. <laughs> you what? Yeah. I slid. <laughs> you slid down a tree. And my ex, <laughs> my ex-boyfriend kissed someone else at a Lambda party. I stood outside Lambda and chose the biggest tree and slid down it sobbing. And it was a 1950s party, so I was in a sort of like prom dress. Oh my God. Slid down it sobbing as various people from the kind of eight different courses walked past me and asked if I was okay. I think I threw an amber that night. I think you did do. God, what an asshole. Did you, were you kind of like enough in the moment though to be like wow what a performance where I'm kind of loving the yes we've all had those moments where we're doing something and we're like I kind of wish this was being caught on camera (laughs) this is great no oh come now mate the real housewives of Baron's Court no no I'm really glad it wasn't I I think I once cried so hard about something I literally fell to my knees and even I was a bit like wow (laughs) wow yeah powerful stuff I know these things do happen I howled anyway (laughs) Um, and I'm I'm sure I would hate to see that caught on camera, but Amber definitely, it's a lot. And I think what I find weird is that unlike with Melissa with Joe Gorgo or something, she doesn't just seem annoyed at Jim. She then, it seems to be like turning them on. And then they have this very strange I hate that. scene in the bedroom where it's like their first date. I don't know. I find it just very... It's very odd. I'm going to make a suggestion here go for it i think that jim is a homosexual and i think he's very repressed (gasps) and in the closet and he has no nakedity for me whatsoever it doesn't help the fact that he kind of dresses in clothing that's much too big for him so he kind of looks like a a child wearing his dad's clothing yeah i know sort of jay and barry vibes yeah and there's just no spark between them also it's since come out that the eldest son is gay and he kicked him out of the house and like hates the gays in general because they're big make america great yeah they're big maga people and also just Mm. the whole i got alarm bells in the first episode where he was talking about like how his dad was really hard on him and he's doing the same to his boys but his girl's different his girl's a little princess but like really making men man manly and Mm. i just feel like there's a lot of conflicting feelings going on there this whole season the gender stuff that's the the other thing i really wanted to talk about was just the gender stuff this season i was so sick and i i know that going into whenever you watch a a season of New Jersey you have to remind yourself uh for me there's a similarity I've worked a lot with veterans and whenever I do I kind of have to remind myself that a lot of uh veterans have been in an environment where they have quite a different relationship to gender than like the very kind of like liberal drama school attitude to gender or whatever and it's Mm. it was quite a shock when I first did Soldier On getting used to walking in and someone being like your ass looks great in that skirt and it was like what and it was so (laughs) shocking thank you but but also yeah but it's like it was and for me whenever I watch New Jersey it's a similar thing that you have to just kind of quite quickly get used to these very kind of archaic stringent like gender roles but previous to this generally 
what we've been seeing is a lot of like the woman's places in the kitchen and she serves the man and she makes the man happy and the men fight or whatever. What I really hate this season is again and again, this whole, you fight like a chick. Your response is like a woman. As if like women have and a even pathetic... even says it. They all say it. And I find it really weird the way that the women mm. are like, why are you behaving like a woman locking yourself in the bathroom and I'm like I really resent this idea that like women are like pathetic fighters or cowardly or like it's something that really continues I hate it like there's a thing it happens a lot later on obviously not to be talked about now but a lot later on in New Jersey there's a sort of situation where it comes out that many years ago someone's husband cheated on on them and it really annoys me because there's drama around this and the guy who was supposed to have cheated often says things like, oh, I'll just let the ladies fight about it and I'm not going to like behave like a woman about it and the men all roll their eyes about it. And I do kind of want to be like, but you're the one that cheated That's on mad. her and you caused the drama. So it's like the men cause the drama often and it's happening a bit in this yeah. with Jim, with whatever. And then they go, oh, don't behave like a woman. It's like... But also but it's, it's like women is just so used as such a like pejorative word because... Jim's there saying Bobby fights like a girl for hiding in the bathroom. But then the men also kind of accuse Jim of being like a woman for getting involved in the drama or catfights. And I'm like, cool, so just whatever the shit thing is, is the, is the female thing to do. Like, Basically, yeah. the default is you need to be... It's, again, because Joe, Joe Gorga would be like, see, in a man's world, we punch each other, we get it out of our system, and it's all good. And it's like, that's cool, you have done that. But also... You're quite bitchy and you can stir up trouble. Totally. Also, they're so attached to their penises. The number of times, like, when it's like, yeah, well, he tweeted that I didn't have a dick. And it's like, ooh, good one. Like, (laughs) cool. Ellie, just you wait. It gets worse and worse over the years. Am I right, Lucy? Like, all the house husbands get together and it's like, just fuck at this point. Like, they're obsessed with each other's penises. It's just exhausting. It's so, it's, it's insane. It's so weird. Like, Mace and I don't hang around just like, I don't know if we've ever talked about each other's boobs or like... My clit's better than yours. <laughs> and let me tell you, there's a lot to chat about there. If we wanted to, if we wanted to, if I, the I content's there, if I would, if I could, but we don't. Actually, Macy, this is a good point, actually. Now I have you here. I want to pick your brains about something. So we've already discussed you oh, and God. Ellie about breathing and orgasms. And Ellie dropped another bombshell in LA when we were together, where I said, what do, out of interest, straight men call ladies' vaginas in bed? And Ellie gave an answer that completely knocked me off my chair. You could have knocked me over with a feather. She said that wholly and exclusively, men refer to it as a see you next Tuesday. And I just can't believe that that's true. Excuse me? Like, without hesitation? Yeah, you're like, oh, it's the... No, absolute... (laughs) Why are you looking around, Ellie? I mean... (laughs) Maybe I've been sleeping with the wrong people. I don't... That's quite aggressive. No. I, I mean, I hate to say it on a pod, but I think it would have to be pussy. No, I hate that I... word. But I think it is. Not that I know, but... What, having never slept with anyone? You're of the Lisa Vanderpump school. Of... You're... <laughs> <laughs> As someone saving themselves to marriage, Mace wouldn't understand. But like... <laughs> yeah. It's... Okay, well... I don't know. Yeah, maybe I'm sleeping with the wrong people. Ellie's been hanging around the docks for too long. <laughs> yeah, I know, literally. <laughs> Not to dwell on this too much, but you're telling me that every 
single man. No, I didn't say James exaggerated that. I didn't say every single man. No, but I it just was striking without hesitation. No, no hesitation. Yeah, it was that. But I think also I was being asked what I would prefer to call it, and I think that my it was more my answer rather than what everyone has. Wow, that's strong. I feel like this is the kind of conversation where in a reunion we'd, we'd be like, I wish we'd have had this off camera, you know? Because I really want to delve in. I'm kind of wishing that we'd had this off camera. I feel like <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get a lot of yeah. hate. When Dina's like, my one wish, it would be off camera. Welcome back to the Housewives reunion, ladies. I feel like- what are they your vaginas? <laughs> I really need to make clear, I'm aware that for some people that word is like incredibly, a, a, I think that that word holds... I don't find the word offensive. No, I don't mean you. I'm talking to the millions of fans listening. Billions, please. Oh, I see. If that is offensive, I'm very sorry. I'm not using the word. I know I did use it by accident the other week. I think if someone came in with that sort of first time, I'd be quite... Buy me a drink first. I think it was a confident move. Oh, okay. I think, it was, <laughs> I think it was a confident move. I'm not saying I wouldn't like it, but I would be like, ooh. ooh. Sorry. Hey, anyway. maybe that's what I like. We anyway, on? we moved. Right. So the fight in Florida. <laughs> oh, we haven't got to the bit with Jim dropping the... No, I think he fucked your mom. What did he, he, did he say it, that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was saying that Bobby's not dedicated to his relationship with Nicole and he doesn't want to marry her and he's just stringing her along. They're having quite like a pointless argument, like, but also the argument's not really going anywhere and they're just like, someone say the mom rumor. They're just like beating around the bush. There's all these Sopranos tropes. He's like banging a stripper, banging a Russian prostitute. And then someone says, oh, you really think that Bobby fucks a prostitute? And then Jim's like, no, but I think he fucked your mom. And then No, but it wasn't right. Bobby, it yeah. was Reno. Get it right. They're talking about oh, Reno because at this point, shit. Vito, yeah. he's now, <laughs> exactly. At this point, he's now arguing with Teresa, not Nicole. Mm-hmm. And it's Teresa's being like, you really think Reno but you wouldn't know the slept difference. with a stripper? And he's like, no, but I think he fucked your mom. And what's funny and what I think really does show how ludicrous it is, is we've had tables flipped over pay attention police <laughs> and yet someone literally being like i think your husband fucked your mom and they all just kind of go whoa and go to bed it's actually a very muted response and i think that just shows how silly it is is that they're all just like no one's actually offended because we know these people and we know if someone was actually like that's disgusting that scum they would just knock them out or rugby tackle them. Yeah. My God, the women at the first responders party like immediately grabbed each other's hair. It's a very hollow fight, I think. It has no real content. There's a big talking point in the Not All Diamonds and Rosé book where it's, first of all, it's interesting how they talk about this season as a whole. They do just, they're quite frank. They're like, it was a complete failure. And then they (laughs) talk about this fight and there's a lot from, I think Dina in particular is saying after this whole performance and then Jim and Amber are up in their room, she heard them in the room kind of like whooping and high-fiving and congratulating each other on what a great performance that they did and how no they made such way. great tea. I totally believe that. Right, yeah. That's insane. Yeah. I love it. Sorry, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't read the book. Love it. I totally, no, but I totally, mm. totally buy that. And then of course they didn't get us back. And then we leave season six with a reunion where really the fights happen more between the men than the women. They're on for a long time. They're on for a long time. And Jim, I love that Andy Cohen is kind of in awe of how horrible... When he keeps just being like... You're really rude. (laughs) Wow, you are really rude. Like, he's just like, you're... Yeah, right. You are out of control. 
Well, I think he has emerged after all these years as the sort of paragon of an awful, toxic husband on these shows. I think he's like right up yeah. there with like Jim Bellino. Or... But he's also, he's gone, not gone down, but he was accused of assaulting her, wasn't he? Oh, shit. So there's a whole thing about how they were on a flight. And oh, yeah. he got, if it was someone else reported that he was strangling her or there was an altercation. Wow, I feel like and I this, think maybe this, she had reported This whole it. episode, we've come a long way from like these shows used to just be like James and I doing impressions of Lisa Vanderpump being like she does support she does and now it's just been like a whole episode of people paying to like tie people up the c word now we're on to like assault I'm just like okay it's a lot we've gone into the dark place guys we're gonna have to put a warning on this app it's bad and I think she later dropped the charges but it was definitely a kind of case of something happened, people saw it, it was in public, and it was almost like she was coerced. What, like Nigella kind of, oh, yeah, yeah. A, a Saatchi kind yeah. of choking kind of situation. Ugh. Yeah. Okay, this is not the note I wanted us to leave this on. Anyway. <laughs> so what's a positive we can end on here? Any last What, Teresa going to jail? Uh, I mean... <laughs> I mean, it's a lighter note than that. <laughs> clink, clink. Empire's Fall. I love that talking <laughs> head. Can I just say, sorry. <laughs> they, it's like a great read, but then they like linger it for too long. So then whichever twin it is who says it, she's like, I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Empire's Fall. <laughs> like, clink, clink. <laughs> Am I right? Like, I mean, really? Yeah. You know, honestly. It's, I mean, I'm just saying. It's... Like empire, <laughs> you get karma, right? <laughs> Cut away. But like that's the same with the whole reunion has a really sad. The way it just ends with a kind of close up of Andy Cohen's. Normally, it's a bit like it's we've odd. got tequila for you guys, or it's yeah. like we've got the limoncello, and it's like this time it's like there are no shots, there is no drink. It's just it's silent as well, and then it just cuts to the yeah, ending. It's odd, and there's a real. It's really left with this sense of Teresa may never return and yeah. it's a very sombre end but I don't want this episode to have a sombre end so I think what we should talk about for the last five minutes is you guys going to Luan's Cabaret because while we have Mace <gasps> here we need to hear more and we need the Ramona stories mm. Mace I need you to just talk oh us talk us through the whole experience now that okay. you've had time to stew over it it's funny because my parents text me today to say that they just finished season 10 of Roni and it, were watching the Cabaret Giovanni episode mm. so now they finally get the reference because obviously my mum went to the concert without knowing what Giovanni was and there was a jacket from Giovanni for $200 a sequin jacket that said Giovanni on the back that Luan had designed that I was seconds away from buying I was convinced you were going to buy it but you were eyeing it the whole show I know trying I, it on back and forth I feel like it was like me in the flamenco dress in Seville yes. like yeah. It was one of those things where I knew I'd have woken up the next morning with a feeling of dread. But my dad texting me about it today, I then forward him the photo of the Giovanni jacket with a kind of like wink, wink, my birthday's coming up kind of feeling. And it kind of re-sparked the love for the jacket. Um, okay, where to begin? I don't actually think to say it was the best night of my life would be an exaggeration. It was pure childlike joy and I, I think James can account for this it's the closest thing to being in Midsommar <laughs> I feel like she could have done a human sacrifice on stage and everyone would have been like woo <laughs> <laughs> I totally I agree. It. it was, it was like, yeah, it was like we were high off the joy of the night. Um, we sat down. We had a what was our cocktail called? Countess Bellini um, or something like that. 
Oh, was that the best title? <laughs> was it just called that? Yeah. Oh. Was it, Mace, was it a step <laughs> up from those awful, like, Cosmopolitinis or whatever that they were selling for, like, $30 at the Sex and the City show we went to? Okay. The difference between those, those two evenings and the Countess <laughs> Bellini. No, but just the cocktails. That cocktail at the Sex and the City show was beyond lethal. It was pure vodka. And like warm. This yeah. one was one of those cocktails that was $17 and it was juice. Yeah, it was like there was cool. zero. I mean, I'm saying there was zero alcohol, but I was definitely quite drunk. Sure. I'm not sure if I was or not. But it was far <laughs> more like when you're on like a lad's holiday and they're like, we're going to give you two free drinks or whatever. And it's just juice. It's just, it's just right. like, yeah. yeah. It was a, We've it all was been juice. there, guys. So my Ramona stories, I mean, the night itself was incredible. I feel like James kind of touched on that. Luan was... I mean, completely breathtaking. I never get starstruck. I think when you have grown up like with actor parents or whatever, or being an actor around, you're around that kind of thing quite a lot. And it was the most starstruck I have ever been. Like I felt the thing of what it feels like to just be in the presence of God. They they say never meet your hero, but I did, and <laughs> and it was no great. Regrets. It was great. <laughs> I had two conversations with Ramona that night. Oh my God. Uh, (laughs) Trist to follow. Um, First one being that there was a little break in the cabaret for Luanne to change her Giovanni number. Of course. Uh, At which point they showed a eggs a la France recipe, kind of. Luanne was dressed in a sort of like 1950s dress going, to make eggs a la France. It was on the screen while she was changing. And I ran to the loo at that point. And when I was in there, I heard the girls in the queue being like, I heard whisperings of Ramona coming. I like to think it was a similar feel to, you know, at the beginning of season six when Teresa arrives at the party. And there's a really weird, like, fake thing of being like, I can't believe she's here. Sirens. Sirens. But it's like, but you also don't see a single person saying it. It's definitely like someone was called in to do, like, crowd noise. They just got some interns in post to do it. Literally. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that. Um, she comes in, I open my cubicle door at the same time, she's just classically Ramona, and I don't do impressions, sorry, but she was going, I need to skip the queue, once you've had a baby, you can never hold a wee in, let me go to the front. Everyone obviously just let her straight to the front. I like to think that like a pharaoh, everyone just like fell to their yeah, knees. Exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> no, <literally. Yeah. laughs> we were nose to nose, Ramona and I, as we like, passed, you know, I just was so honoured. Also, she was are using- you a similar height, so... Truly, yeah. But she's she had heels on. So that was that. And then after the show ended, I just decided I had to have a photo. Of course. And I feel like I was quite ruthless because James and I first kind of started going together and then I just ditched. I did, Macy did, was very brave. I didn't think I was going to get a photo, but you convinced me. But it was chaos. But you were feeling less brave and than you me, just had I to, think. You had to barrel on you know, through and I lost you I, to the crowd. It was, yeah. It happens. Exactly. It was each man yeah. for himself. I could see people were getting photos, so I thought, she'll never see me again. I can embarrass myself. I walked straight up to her. I kind of pushed in. She looked like she was kind of tiring of having the photos taken. And I just said, Ramona, please, I'm your biggest fan in the world. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is the best night of my life. Please, can I have a photo? She said, yeah, of course. We had a photo. She said, I love your accent. Are you Australian? <laughs> and you went, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I left it there thinking I will never see her again. I embarrassed myself in the most hideous way, but it was so worth it. And the photo is amazing. So worth it. Cut to 
two nights later, I'm at the Funny Girl press night and me and my dad leave the theatre and who should walk out but a producer he knows with Ramona Singer. And my dad, who's usually quite kind of, um, you know, eager to get home or whatever, rushed towards... (laughs) this friend only because he wanted me to meet Ramona again yes of course and I just got very embarrassed because suddenly I was like I have this British slash Australian accent (laughs) and it was only two nights ago or whatever and I'm sure you made a big impact as well well then I was like am I having a big ego maybe a bit (laughs) probably I don't think Ramona remembers anyone that she considers beneath her so that's true he said this is my friend Ramona and I have to say that night she was very cold compared wow. to what she was at Luan. And it really made me oh. think, you know, when she went to the Countess Cabaret. She must be on for you work. Know, she's prepped for a exactly. Bravo Con kind of evening, right? Where she's expecting that. To the point that I wonder if she's like paid to be there. Otherwise, I can't imagine her being like, I'm giving up my evening. I feel like she was there to be seen, not to watch. I don't think she's to like, seen. I love Luan's Cabaret. I mean, I don't know if James said on the last show, but we miss Teresa Giudice by two days she was there the night before heartbreaking and my dad was staying right above studio 54 and actually Luann during a concert said Dorinda will be here tomorrow night and I thought should I turn up tomorrow night and just stand outside to try and get a picture with her you know what the vibe is becoming I'm feeling less worried about Maze getting my job and more like she's going to become a live correspondent for us where we're like, and now over to Macy Nyman at 54 Below and she's just like there through like wind and rain just being like, nope, no one yet. But one day it will suddenly be like, I have to rid her. I know. Like, <laughs> I was actually very embarrassed. Well, I was actually very depressed the next day because... The joy that I got from that evening... <laughs> You've not felt the same out. since. I feel like that's where the crash started. <laughs> Honestly, I just thought, why can't I spark that joy day to day? Like, how can I find a way to find that joy? Because none of us can once you've touched heaven. And now we're going to a low point to end the show. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Don't you get <laughs> us back in that place. And you're just with mere mortals again. Euphoria yeah. is where I want to end. <laughs> Okay, well, it was, honestly, it was however much it ended up costing us $300 well spent. I feel like Luan is like your drug of choice. And you know what? It was a great hit. For what it's worth, Sonia's doing her Sonia in the City tour now. So if you need another hit of New York. When? I think she's touring at the moment. By all accounts, though, it's like a terrible... Mace, we're going to have to look into it. But No, but people have been like, that is the example of don't meet your heroes because it's so disappointing where she's just like, she gets up on stage, no. she's drunk, not in a funny way. There's no structure yes. whatsoever. She's I imagine cold. it being far more like the Sex and the City show that we went to see mm. where it was just like quite sad and very empty. Yeah. I really see... I love it. Let's I'm go. Going. And this time we'll try not <laughs> yeah. to have like a blazing row just before the show starts. <laughs> yeah, no comment. <laughs> I love that I feel like your Luan experience and our Sex the City experience were like polar opposites. We were like in a cold, what they felt were. like an Excel centre, just like not talking to each other <laughs> where no one was there. And I missed out on the euphoric bliss. Do you regret mm-hmm. not going to the Luan show? Macy, do you think Ellie would have liked it? Or do you think she would have been annoyed? If she... 
had been annoyed, I wouldn't have wanted her there because that night was just pure, pure. Guys, joy I don't think I would have been annoyed. I think you like. I am capable of. No, having, no. Like, the one bit we thought you would be annoyed about was when she said, "Okay, so there's more to say," which is that she made a comment about how her director was Barbara Streisand's director, and he said to her that he came to see her concert when she had a previous director, and he came to her after the show and said. I had such low expectations for you, but my God, you can sing, (laughs) you're funny, and you wear a dress like no other woman. And I just thought, from Barbara Streisand to Luanda Lesseps, I'm just not sure. Like, it made me doubt this man. But then he was behind me during the show, and I heard him say to her manager, look at this room, pure joy. Like, that's what theatre's about. And, And he wasn't wrong. And there was a very drunk, quite cool woman who was on the side of us that was there with her boyfriend. And she had stopped the director to say, this show is stunning from start to finish. Stunning. And she was correct. It was just a kind of stunning piece of theatre. I mean, obviously everyone in the room was absolutely wasted. That's part of it. But also the other part is the magic of theatre, isn't it? So yes. I mean, I've seen a lot more prestigious theatre that has like taken a lot to a less high place. Yeah. Exactly. Let's put it like that. I saw Jerusalem two days ago. It's fine. But would I rather see Jerusalem again? I love it. Mark Rylance v. Luan. Luan yeah, comes out exactly. on top. Snaps for Luan. <laughs> Yeah, no. Why won't Luan. they get her in Chicago? <laughs> I don't Luan. understand. That. Why won't they get Why her in Jerusalem? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. <laughs> get her in Jerusalem. Oh. Maze, thank you so much for joining us today. And Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And please leave us a review. <laughs> One day I'll learn this. Yeah. Please leave us a review. It really helps us. Or if you want to check out our Instagram. And we will see you next week. Hear you next week. You'll hear us. You're fired. (laughs) Macy, you're on. Goodbye.